So, uh, Coach, listen. There's rumors circulating. A lot of things have changed around here. This isn't Utica College anymore. It's no, Utica it's University. So it's UU, not UC. I oh, guess. it's not UU. It's not UU. You get in trouble with our president. Really? It is not UU. We are just Utica. Just Utica. Right. So uh, okay. we, like, we can make that official. Okay, J- JB. Uh, right. When we do the slides, it's just Utica. Just okay? Utica. You'll get in a lot of trouble. It's Utica, Utica University, and we will have a U on our helmet. That's a big change to the helmet. Okay. The city of Utica will be on our jerseys, but. That you will be on the helmet. Okay, that's good to know. We got that out of the way. <laughs> but there's all these rumors flying about whether we're going to keep you in Division Three. You're not going to tell me anything about that. I tried shaking it out of you before this interview. Not, no. But listen, I, I've got a problem. Okay. I, I took JB all through the Italian restaurants in the Schenectady and Balsa Spa area <laughs> where I'm from. And he's, he keeps telling me, look, I hear Utica is the place to be. So before anything happens to your program, what do you say? We got to get a commitment from JB to come to Utica at some point. JB, you need to come have some chicken riggies and tomato pie, JB. Like that, that's, the Utica is unique, man. The greater Utica area is the place to be. Our mayor says it all the time. Utica begins with you, JB. We got to get you in town. Maybe we can get the Utica mayor <laughs> and me, and you know, have. Well, all, get, we'll make it happen. You know, uh, Mayor, mayor Palmieri was at our youth camp. He ran out of the tunnel with tracks of the moose. So <laughs> Mayor Palmieri is all in. He is all in. Well, you know what? After 15 years, I'm going to actually go get... Uh, is it Napoli's? Uh, somebody told me it's a good pie. Roma's and Napoli's. You can't go wrong. Roma's and Napoli's certainly okay. at the top of the list. Salvatore's. JB, take notes <laughs> on this. But uh, 15 years of the show, I, I'm going to give you the opportunity here, to the, the first cold open, to tell everybody they're watching season 15 of In the Huddle and anything else you might want to tell them. Hey, welcome to season 15 of In the Huddle. They do a tremendous job of supporting Division Three student-athletes. These guys love the game. It's a great football. And uh, as always, uh, fear the moose. Fagiano with the uh, Italian food uh, recommendations coming up for you. Are you going to actually get out there and uh, maybe dine with uh, Blaze, me, the mayor maybe of Utica? I don't think I've ever had chicken riggies before. And you know, when, when that little clip you know, posted um, a few days ago, I got a lot of feedback on places to go and see. And, and you know, I, I, I got to make a trip up there someday. I mean, it sounds good. It was good. I will uh, yeah. tell you, even for a place that I went to as kind of the last ditch because all the places were closed on the Sunday yeah. I went up there. But uh, it was just a very good quality dish. And uh, I think that's universally, if you're going to make it in the uh, city of Utica, you better make it well because otherwise people won't show up <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. Region 2, folks, uh, which had a little bit of shifting, remember, toward the end of last year because of the uh, problems that happened with Region 6 and 3 and forced uh, right. the pack to go into Region 2 ultimately and join the Centennial Conference. So we've got a lot of ground to talk about here in Region 2 and a lot of discussion, a lot of interviews coming up here throughout. We're going to start with the conference that a lot of people felt was one of the strongest last year. We ended up with a situation where they basically killed each other off, except for the uh, winning yeah. team, which was RPI. And that's the Liberty League. So RPI comes into this season with, as we had chronicled last year, with the whole debacle about who could show up in the stadium and who couldn't. The number of senior parents and graduate uh, player parents that couldn't be there gave us the story that they were going to be graduating off a lot of talent. Yeah. And so they're not in my top 25 ranking. Uh, they are in d3football.com's total ranking, which I do vote in, obviously. But here's the problem it's to me still it's yes i understand you're gonna be able to retool as a school like rpi but i'm gonna wait till that carnegie mellon game coming up Mm. and we're gonna talk about both of those teams uh, probably here in this show but rpi without interviews carnegie mellon will have interviews with uh, later on that game's going to tell me a lot about who rpi is this season union loses a lot to graduation Hobart has David Krusen back. 
Ithaca has a new head coach, but has a lot of their crux of an offense, especially back. Yeah, almost everybody. U of R, you know, this is an interesting year. If somebody can sneak in on in the Liberty League this year, I think this might be the be. year it happens. Yeah. So here's our picks. We'll do this for each conference in case you missed our Region 1 show. Uh, this year, I believe it's going to be Ithaca and Hobart being the team to watch. Ithaca winning and uh, Hobart being the team to watch. You said Ithaca. I might catch some flack for that. And University of Rochester being the team to watch. Tell me about this. Why Rochester? Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, um, Coach Chad has a model that he established and, and it worked at MIT. He got them through an undefeated season into the NCAA playoffs. Um, and in fact, I think the, the COVID year, um, especially with the, the roster drop that they had a few years back, probably helped um, in, that, in that process. Uh, you know, he's coached under some great, uh, great mentors. He's a great coach. I, I got to hang out with him about a month or so ago. He was you know, coming through town. He has family um, a little north of here, and, and he was coming through town just to recruit also. Uh, and he, he is doing a national recruiting base, sort of like he had at MIT. So I'm going to stop you right there because the two players I talked to at U of R when I got a chance to go out there were, in fact, both from the state of Virginia, of all things. Okay. And uh, it, that, that impressed me to start. We have coming up here in the interview, Luke Wilson, who is an offensive lineman for U of R, and Simon Weirin, who is a defensive back for them. And uh, we talked about, you know, just the hope for upward momentum here, and maybe this being the year where they turn the corner because of a lot of close calls. Remember, this is all about unfinished business and second chances, our preseason interview set this go around, and they feel they have plenty of unfinished business coming at them here this season. So run me through defensively, Simon. What Last season was a good uh, year, pretty much with the numbers at least, but the win-loss record obviously not there yet. Take me through kind of the disappointments and the progress that you uh, saw last year and what you take away from it that's going to lead for this year. Um, I think the last year, as you said, numbers-wise, we obviously were decent but the win-loss record wasn't as where we wanted it. I think that we were playing a lot of young guys um, who have been able to mature. I think that experience-wise we just weren't there. It comes with uh, growth, whatever. We're also playing you know, a lot of freshmen against with COVID year, fifth year, seniors. So I think strength-wise we've done a lot of work in the weight room and there definitely is a lot of unfinished business. We played a lot of games that I feel like looking back we should have won or been a lot tighter in and there's a couple games that were disguised by a score or two or one or two pivotal plays that I think that last year we weren't physically or mentally mature enough to make, but I think this year we're definitely there and ready to take that next step defensively. Luke, offensively, it looked like the yardage was a balance, uh, rush and pass, but uh, not necessarily the end zone on the passing side. You as an offensive lineman, I mean, you probably take this pretty personally, uh, you know, what happens there. And, you know, tell me about the offense. Tell me about the traction that you think it may be gaining after last year. What did you learn? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so similar to Simon, we had a lot of a lot of first-year starters. But, you know, a lot of us are coming back, so there's a lot of excitement there. Um, you know, we got a pretty good, pretty good running back core, pretty solid quarterback coming back as well. Pretty much the whole offensive line is staying together, so there's a lot to build off from last year, right? I think we're building. It's it's now the expectation is to do better, right? The expectation is to win and finish drives out. No more stalling out in the 20-yard line, red zone, failing to score. But there's a lot of excitement in that area. Coach Shad uh, pretty much comes in, uh, you know, in 2018. This is more or less uh, his first full class when you look at uh, the numbers of how it all works. And what was kind of the selling point for you to come from Virginia? Both of you guys are from Virginia. So let's go into that backstory a little bit. What was the selling point, and are you happy you made the decision? I'm, I'm happy I made the decision. But what really came down to is I believed in what he was coaching. I believed in him. I obviously knew that it was going to be a rebuild, right? They brought in, I think, a whole whole lot of freshmen, like 50 freshmen. Thought there might have been an opportunity that we could get better here, and there's there's so much upside, right? And I just want to be a part of something special. Simon? Yeah, I think, obviously, we have excellent facilities, excellent academics, excellent location, excellent opportunities. 
Um, that's enticing enough. But uh, football-wise, you know, just really believing in the guys and the message. I think that there's a lot of people who are in this program now that uh, have the right mindset and are really looking to take that next step in the positive direction. And maybe before they didn't have that motivation or we didn't have the experience or the character or the culture to be pushing to win such a tough league like the Liberty League. And, you know, I saw the vision. I saw the pieces we had here and thought that I could help. And this is, you know, I think we're really about to take that next step and people will see this upcoming year. Let's talk about the Liberty League. Uh, it's a league that uh, was very strong nationally in profile last year. The schools uh, that kind of comprise the top of it, though, have lost a lot along the way, and it seems to be a wide open year. Is Rochester a team that's going to compete for a Liberty League championship in your minds right now? I'll start with you, Simon. Oh, for sure. Um, I think that's the goal for every team every year. It's definitely our goal. We sit down as a, as a team and as position groups and you know, I think individually everyone has that as their first their first goal, not to win the first game. You know, it's the goal at the end is obviously to, to win the league. And I think that they're, like you said, last year were a lot of deep teams with older guys. And um, I think that as we grow and we get better and better, I think we're going to be at that level with those top teams in the, in the conference and be able to be a force to be reckoned with. I think this is definitely a strong year for us. And I think that we're going to surp- surprise some people, definitely. Luke? I think he put it real well, but like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's the expectation though. That's what we're changing. It's not only a culture change, it's the expectations of the coaches that we need to be better and now's the year. It's one of those uh, situations that like you said unfinished business is probably a big part of it for you guys. Uh, you're young enough that you're going to be building for a little while here uh, for sure and I'm going to give you a chance to do what uh, we always give our player guests the opportunity to do, give shout outs to any family, friends. Whoever might be watching, floor is your guys. Go ahead. <laughs> Shout out mom and dad. <laughs> Love yeah. you guys. Shout out mom and dad. I know you guys will be watching this on, on Twitter, so shout out. You <laughs> are. It's a team that's going to be a, a team to watch, I want to say. But Luke, go ahead. You got one more. Shout out Coach Griggs. He's around here somewhere. He's around here somewhere. He's going to like that a lot. <laughs> guys, good luck this season. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Now, before I get any more hate mail from Hobart fans, yes. I'll just add, while Hobart does bring back pretty much their entire offensive line, Kruson, as you said, one of their uh, starting receivers, their starting tight end, and both, I mean, the two outs, probably the best running backs, at least, you know, that I'm, I'm a little biased. But with seven guys to replace on defense, I didn't feel comfortable saying, like, oh, yeah, they're guaranteed to win the Liberty League. Uh, Wingfield, too, from Ithaca, he's got his whole offensive line back. Hines, the, the running back, is back. They, you know, Ithaca is going to be a tough team to beat. I can't wait for that game. Would and, you like to stick my foot in your mouth? or uh, I mean, <laughs> Oh, God. All right, enough of that. Let's move on, Frank. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on, but stay with the same school because Chad Martinovich is the uh, person that has really tried to put this back together Hobart at guy. Rochester. Yep, in fact, uh, it is fitting you were talking about Hobart because he is. And uh, he talks about the school he left, MIT, and the other guy or the other coach, which I had to identify as Brian Bubnon yeah. <laughs> over there, another Hobart guy. Okay, so uh, here is my discussion with Coach Martinovich of U of R. Coach, unfinished business. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting looking at the progression in your years here. One wins, zero wins, COVID, three wins. I think you're one of the teams, and JB has told me some of the conversations you've had with him that COVID actually probably helped bring your team together a little bit in terms of the adversity, coming out of the adversity, and it reflects in the win-loss record. Take me through the last couple of years especially and where we go from here with Rochester football. It's, it's been a, a couple of years of, of true development. Um, we we tried to approach the COVID year as a positive and in, in developing a, a bunch of young players. Um, you know, I, I feel really good about the the classes we've recruited. Um, that gave us a, a year to really help develop the current juniors. Um, so a lot of them were first year starters last year. Uh, so it was almost like having two classes of freshmen last year and a lot of them were on the field for us. Um, we have a senior class that that uh, we brought in in 19 and they saw a lot of playing time too. So this will be our first season where all four classes are kids that we recruited and have bought into our culture and 
developed in the off season and, and done everything we've asked them to do to, to help this program take the next step. MIT was an experience for you, obviously, as a coach. What did you learn from there that you took to here that is working, essentially, in terms of uh, maybe the patience, the progression? What, what exactly did you learn there that's going to help you cash in here, you think? Almost the entire blueprint is what we're kind of putting into place here, have put in place here, and have um, followed it step by step, made some adjustments, you know, with each year in terms of what works better here at the U of R rather than the other place. Um, but there was a lot of lessons learned at, at that place as a, a new head coach that I've drawn on here to kind of accelerate the process. But it, it is it is a process, you know, it's a, it's a really a, a five-year thing because, you know, when I was hired here, I really didn't get a, a first true recruiting class that, that first season. So, you know, 19, those kids were that that first class and helping them, it, you know, take the, the steps that they needed to take, build our culture the, the way it needs to be built at a, you know, a, a top 30 academic institution like this with a national reputation. So, you know, getting our, our recruiting foundation the way it needed to be nationally and, and starting making inroads all, all over the country. And it, it's really starting to pay off. So it's exciting to see the blueprint kind of play out. Um, I think the next couple of years are going to be really exciting around here. The other school is uh, led by another Hobart alum, uh, so uh, he, we will say hi to Bubna out there. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's back get back to Rochester here. Uh, the administration, the support level, and everything else. Uh, some people over the years have suggested, ah, oh, you know, it's, Rochester is an academic institution first. They don't care about sports. You seem to come at it from a much different perspective. I know basketball would t say the same thing. Absolutely. T tell us about the support and what the school has provided in the process here. The administration has been outstanding in terms of support. I wouldn't have left MIT if, if I didn't think it was there. And um, they've done everything we've asked. Um, we understand what it is we have to do here to uh, recruit the type of student that can thrive at the University of Rochester, but having the national reputation we have, we can find the caliber of athlete that can help us be very, very successful on the football field. And they're 100% behind it. They've helped us with facilities. I mean, the, the facilities upgrades here have been phenomenal. I think we have some of the best facilities in all Division III. Um, the, the support um, from a financial standpoint, from a staffing standpoint, really every step of the way has been outstanding, you know, and that's what's allowing us to build something very special here. Okay, let's talk X's and O's. Uh, sure. You're a quarterback in your uh, former life quarterback uh, last year situation you had a uh, young up-and-comer as your uh, late starter at least mm -hmm. uh, where do we go from here is there a competition in camp uh, there's, and there's definitely competition good there's uh, definitely competition at every, every, every position yep. even kids that were you know all conference type kids last year you know we have some kids that got some accolades at the Liberty League level uh, they're still competing for playing time reps and a, and a job this year um, that's the important thing about you know taking the next step and getting better as a program is making sure there's competition at every position. But the, the biggest thing uh, for me when I look at your roster is the diversity in geographic location and that would tell me that you're recruiting the heck out of the country not just the region here a little bit more unique compared to what I remember over the last couple decades of covering sure. Liberty League football etc. Is that playing a big role here in terms of while you may have a lot of youth, you have a lot of depth in the youth that you're bringing in? Kind of take us through that approach right now. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the campus community as a whole, from a student standpoint, it is a national campus because it's a school with a nationally known reputation academically. And one of the reasons I believe I was hired is to bring that national recruiting approach uh, to the University of Rochester. If you look at, you know, the successful programs here, basketball is a great example. They have kids from all over the country. And, you know, we, we had success with that at MIT. Out of necessity, here it's, it's more of a luxury where we have the ability because of the reputation and we can find those uh, higher end Division three 
FCS athletes that want this type of education, this type of degree that's going to really pay dividends for them a after graduation and be able to play at a very high level of Division Three football in one of the best conferences in the country. Your players, I uh, believe they're going to be uh, in the Liberty League hunt here, and why not with uh, some of the losses in some of the schools uh, to graduation and the competitiveness that your team brings here. But let me ask you in terms of what is going to define a successful season in your mind uh, for 2022? What, what would that be? What, what are kind of the benchmarks you're looking for here? I want to see us get better every week, number one. Um, I want to see us raise our standards, which we have and we're going to continue to be, and we should be extremely competitive on a weekly basis. Um, a lot can happen over the course of the season, and I'm excited to see what this group is going to do this year. This guy's uh, learned a lot from coaches, uh, great coaches throughout the Division Three landscape. Uh, I mean, the Hobart pedigree, uh, we were just talking about Coach King at RPI. Coach King, Coach Ford at UAlbany, yep. I mean, some, some legends. So uh, they are in good hands here at Rochester. Any, uh, any last uh, words for uh, the fans out there of uh, U of R football? We're just keeping, uh, keeping pushing this thing in the right direction. We want to keep climbing. Go Jackets. Unfinished business indeed. Good luck to you. Thank you very much. So again, this is a school, a program that struggled uh, for various reasons. And now it seems like they have really a crew chief there that mm -hmm. is going to continue to make sure, in the same way he did with MIT, to get them on this pace. And I think they're on that pace currently to turn it around and become winners of this conference at some point in time. I think they've bought into it. I think he believes in it. And as you said, the national recruiting base that they're using can only help them. Absolutely. Yeah. So there is the Liberty League for you in a nutshell. The Empire 8 to me is one of the most wide open conferences of quality that we, we've seen in a long time because yeah. Bree Sakela is not coming back as he promised me multiple times last yeah, season. In case you stuck to his word, yeah. So, sorry, <laughs> Breeze, for doing that to you uh, a couple of times. His fault, too. Uh, but. I believe uh, the Segala show goes over to Fisher Fisher as yeah. an assistant coach. So there you go. Uh, but, you know, who steps up now? Cortland still has a lot of talent. But I, you look at a team like Utica, for instance, who has a lot of fifth years basically coming back in, important ones at that. You mm -hmm. look at Brockport, who has a team that is deep, with talented freshmen coming from into last year and they now step up probably into roles where there'll be more starters there but are they good enough to carry against a conference like the empire eight this is tough well the thing too i mean and really credit uh coach potter last year i mean with some of the injuries that they sustained hey steve hey buddy um you know they turned into like a power run team you know that you know they were doing wildcat straight to the running back um and they were just called 30 40 some like rushing plays a game totally transformed their offense now they did have that little hiccup down the stretch um against morrisville but then they went to the ecac bowl and, and beat a really good w and j team um so you know i think you can't count out brockport um but you, like you said i think utica's got a shot i i had fisher as sort of a team to keep an eye on too not just because of sagala being a coach but they they've been in a rebuilding process and this could be a good year for them well i my pick was utica to win it brockport as a team to watch here your pick was brockport to win it with fisher as a team to watch mm -hmm. I, I, look I, I don't hate any of the discussion or any of the ideas we have yeah, down here it feels wide open yeah it does but uh we want to talk to some folks over at utica because i really think that if there is a year with all the discussion about utica moving to division two in football division one in hockey if there's a year for them to do this in the Empire 8, it's it is this year. Now, yeah. So we'll see if it is possible to happen. Uh, people that do feel it is possible, uh, Jimmy Warren, their linebacker, and Nate Palmer, their wide receiver. I talked to them about just the importance, especially, of having these fifth-year seniors back. Uh, the theme of this year's preseason shows around the huddle is really uh, unfinished business, which is fittingly on your calendar, actually, or your schedule. We didn't know this uh, when we uh, started naming it. And then also uh, second chances, and it's very fitting for you guys uh, for a couple of reasons here. Let's start with unfinished business. And Jimmy, uh, defensively, 
you had a phenomenal season and got a lot of kudos thank you, thank you. Uh, for that uh, fact. Uh, the tackles, the sacks, and everything else that you had last season. But it's not always translating for Utica into wins in the conference. And it's got to get frustrating after a while. You've been here long enough to know the highs and the lows of it all. Is there a lot of unfinished business for the Utica uh, football team right now? Well, I think, of course, there's unfinished business. I think the thing that we're all thinking about is really uh, turning that page, turning that page and moving on to this season. Uh, Coach Fodge does a really good job every year talking about how our team has a one-year life expectancy. Um, so that team last year is over with, it's gone. Um, so we need to do a good job at uh, turning that page, not looking back and just looking forward, looking at the potential that we have and what we expect that we can do. Now offensively, we've seen, seen some high-power offenses at Utica over the years. Again, there's, there was consistency at times. Uh, the Union game, obviously, it was slow and going for the offense. Uh, not a conference game, but then as you went to the conference, it seemed a little Jekyll and Hyde at times. What did you guys learn on offense that you're going to be able to take into this season and get that consistency back? Well, one thing last year, like Jimmy said, it is a one-year. One, every team's a one-year uh, life expectancy. but. Last year we learned we were young and that you need experience to be able to do well. And it doesn't matter if it's D3, D2, D1, you need experience to do well in college. He's uh, coming after us here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys play yellow jackets or something? It's a little early for that. But uh, anyway, uh, now let's go to second chances because both of you guys are graduate students by way of the COVID year. Um, and as young coach, the last time I was here was the COVID uh, fall game uh, that you hosted against Alfred here. Kind of a weird feeling to be back, no masks, and being able to be at field level with you guys. Uh, what, I guess I'll ask you this: two questions, uh, both of you. First, did you learn not to take a lot for granted when it came to football with that whole situation? And for, for you guys, is it motivating to have this year back? Why did you come back? Because not everybody who's got the COVID year is coming back to their schools to play football. Why did you guys? Uh, I'll start. I think mostly, most the, the biggest thing that I came back for is to play with my brothers. Um, if you look at our graduate students, our graduate players, we've been in groups since day one. Uh, so I think there's about nine or 10 of us that have been with each other since freshman year. And I want to play with them. I want to play for them. We still, like you said, have unfinished business. And I want to make sure that we get that done. Um, I want to make sure we get that done and also make sure that we leave um, leaving here with something that the younger guys can see and want to achieve and accomplish and do better than what we did. One of the things that the coaches talk about here is dying empty. And us coming back, I think, I think it really shows all the, all the rookies coming in and all the underclassmen that aren't fifth years that never to take anything for granted and to die empty whenever you're doing something. Take me through this uh, team composition this year. What, on each side of the ball, what is something that people should look out for? A name or that maybe they haven't heard before or something special about what they might see this season that if they see it, they're going to know, yep, this is going to be a good year for you to go on offense? Uh, it's just the chemistry that we have. All together, last year we, we struggled a little bit. There was maybe some uh, pointing of fingers, but this year it's it's more about team chemistries and trusting each other. Trust is a huge thing, especially in offense, and we gotta we gotta let all the other two aspects of the ball trust the offense as well. For defense, what what can people uh, look to maybe be surprised at or whatever? It kind of flag what we're gonna see. That again, if it's a special year, you'll see this. What would it be? I think the depth that we have. Um, if you look back to our year last year, we did have a couple injuries on the defensive side, um, and all those guys are coming back. All those guys are great athletes, great players, so they're coming back, and we also have the guys that stepped up last year and now have that year under their belt that can also play. So I think we have a lot of depth um, on that whole defense, and you're going to see it. Um, we're going to bring guys in and out, in and out, uh, run a lot of different things, and just play fast and play physical. Last question for you guys. Coach Fagiano, I mean, we joke around with him all the time, and you know, he's either the high octane, you know, hey guys, how are you, or the oh my god, what did I do wrong yeah. kind of guy. I've noticed that there's nothing in the middle, it's one or the other, it seems like. But you guys obviously came back in part because of Coach Fagiano and the philosophy. Tell me about him, what makes him so special? Um, he's a great guy, he always makes sure that uh, his players are first, um, no matter what we need, whether it's maybe a, a a car to the store, uh, somebody just to talk to. He's like a father figure away from home for me. Um, I know I can call him at three in the morning, he's gonna pick up. 
uh, and just be there. And I think that's what really made us come back, made me come back, because I bought into that freshman year. Um, and now just being a grad student, a fifth year guy, um, I'm just here, I'm ready to go, and I'm glad that he's our head coach. Oh, that, that is a very, very good aspect to him. The other one I would say, besides that one, is progressing the rookies and the underclassmen to becoming a man. That's Utica, Utica University now. And now Coach Fagiano loves making ki their kids when he tells uh, the rookies' parents every year, you guys are dropping your kids off and you're gonna, they're going to come back a man. So that, that is one of his biggest philosophies. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, indeed. Yes. Not everybody can say that at every school I know across Division Three or any division for that matter. So, guys, uh, tradition here on the show is for our player guests to have an opportunity to give shout-outs to any family friends that might be watching. Go right ahead, guys. We got it first. <laughs> hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Thank you guys for everything. Love you guys. Hey, Mom. Hi, Dad. Thank you for everything. Hey, Jared. I'm excited to see you play this year. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. They're moms and dads <laughs> and uh, families. And, guys, good luck this season. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as you saw on the show's open, we also had Blaze Fagiano, the head coach of Utica. Uh, Quite the character. Not UU, though. Okay, remember, yeah. it's not Utica University, okay. UU. It's U. Utica, but then you'll call it in its full name Utica University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get that correct, uh, corrected somehow so this year. I'm not sure how. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, got to talk to him uh, pretty in-depth about this program and where it's going. Coach, you know, kind of a weird memory for me as I came up to the stadium today. The last time I was here was a COVID game. One of the, uh, what, only two COVID games played in the fall season of 2020 in upstate New York. And a lot has happened since then for your program. Kind of take me through the roller coaster of the last couple of years for you personally in this team. You know, I, just, I could, first of all, could be more proud of our institution, you know, and how we handled uh, the, all the COVID, you know, and trying to do everything we possibly could. You know, we had a fall COVID football. We had two games versus Alfred in spring, of, you know, of COVID, and so kudos to Alfred. But, you know, the fact that our students wanted in-person learning and we created an environment where they could be safe and still have in-person learning where, you know, I know some institutions just went, you know, hi or went hybrid the whole time, you know, not hybrid, just went all, you know, all uh, online, you know, didn't have students come back at all. So, you know, uh, our, our guys did great and did everything we asked them to do, you know, and uh, are better for it. You know, we talk to them all the time about, you know, going through adversity, you know, it toughens you, uh, makes a, the skin a little thicker and uh, our guys are better for it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, as we look at this year right now, it's funny, we go from a pretty young football team a year ago to all of a sudden now a veteran team and certainly our fifth year guys, there's seven of them, you know, that are in their fifth year because they have that COVID year, uh, is you know benefit our program. We're, we're seeing a lot of uh, differentiation of programs between those that did have a lot of retentions because of the COVID year and th those that didn't. And I think seven for you that puts you a little bit head and shoulders for uh, some of the uh, teams, especially in the Empire Eight. We, Cortland loses a lot. Brockport, we're not sure what exactly their rhythm is going to be. Is this the year for Utica to really? Make the unfinished business, finally finished business in the Empire 8? Well, yeah, we're certainly excited. I think total, we're 27 seniors, which is outstanding, and, and every one of them is going to play and contribute. You know, a year ago we had just 14, and only about four guys were contributing of those 14. And again, because we had a year where we had five of our guys that had the extra year and all got amazing jobs in cybersecurity <laughs> and construction management. So, you, you know, every, every uh, family, every student has a different decision. But it's funny how we go from a year last year where we had a ton of sophomores playing, you know, our entire offense is back from a year ago. And also now we're a veteran football team. So certainly the number of seniors, the six home games, there's you know, a lot of positive things happening right now. You were on the uh, NCAA selection committee and got to see the national championship game in, uh, of all places, Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame yeah. Stadium. And I, I kind of saw you like a deer in headlights at times. It was just the kind of the moment that was going on down there. And I crossed paths on the sideline a couple times when I was wearing some audacious uh, jackets. You had a great jacket. But, you know. I want to see you in an orange one of those, all right? We got to give you a reason to wear an orange we'll, one. We'll get you. We'll, we'll try to <laughs> get you orange somehow, somewhere. But I, what were your biggest takeaways? Because I know you want to bring your program to that upper echelon. And you realize it's not easy. You look at the players on North Central. You look at the players on Mary Hart and Baylor, among other teams, throughout that playoff uh, run there. Uh, what did you take away? Can Utica be one of those teams in your mind? Oh, you know, absolutely. You know, and, and first it was a big, uh, you know, it was a lot of reminiscing for me. You know what I mean? And uh, having the opportunity to play in the 1991 national championship game, we flew down to Florida. 
uh, played at Manatee High School and just all those memories of all, all the things leading up to the game. Uh, and just be able to spend time with those coaching staffs, you know, first class. And, you know, I'll tell you what, credit to their institutions. You know, I got to say, like, very similar themes. A lot of guys on the team, right? Commitment to JV, right? Big roster number. Uh, more full-time coaches than most Division three institutions. Let's put it that true, way, right? very true. So a true commitment, you know, but really in the Division three philosophy, you know, that you're going to develop players over time, you know, and, and uh, uh, to, to be around those guys. And, and tell you what, the committee, you know, for me, being around John Snell, uh, mm -hmm. someone who's also a Rochester guy like myself. Yep. And uh, I got, you know, him and I just like talked, talked football the whole time. And now that he's in administration and uh, just, just a great group of people to be around. And uh, the committee, it was a great experience. Not an easy one, <laughs> but, uh, but a great experience to see those guys. And that venue, what an amazing venue to play that game at the Hall of Fame Stadium. I'm excited to see uh, what Navy uh, looks like in Annapolis uh, this coming year. So what did you tell your guys to maybe make them one of the teams uh, in Annapolis uh, this year? What, what was your feedback to them about your experience down well, there over in Canton? Well, it's funny. You know, I, I didn't really talk much about that. You know, and then to start camp, you know, uh, I may have said Empire Championship once in our first team meeting. Really? And they're not going to hear me say it again. Huh. Right? Because we need to just go out here and have a great practice. Right? That's so important, right? Uh, to create that culture of winning and that success, it's, it's, a, it's a daily deal. It's a daily deal. And it'll take care of itself, you know? And, and there is certainly, like, this um, hunger uh, with our program that we know we have a good program. You know, we've had winning seasons. We certainly want to take that next step. But it's about how we do it. And it's not talking about championship every day. Right? It's about having a great practice, right? Having a championship practice. Uh, it's, it's developing our, our, uh, our depth, and bringing along our young guys, you know, our, our 60 freshmen, and getting those, getting those guys going, and teaching them what it means to be uncommon, and teaching them what it means to be a Utica guy, you know, and, and those things will happen if our, our focus is right. I think at times, you know, we've been so hungry, and you get a little frustrated, right, and, and, and you don't reach that goal. It distracts you from just the everyday process, you know. So you got to fall in love with the process. You have a pretty uh, good schedule, to say the least, outside the conference, let alone inside the conference. Uh, the Union game, uh, which was an interesting one last year, uh, appears back on the schedule. This time, I believe in Schenectady, uh, this go-around. I mean, are you really taking it one game at a time, or do, have you circled some of the dates here? What, what is the approach for you? I, I kind of probably know the answer, but I no, want you to say There's reasons why there's cliches in football. You know what I mean? There, there is a reason, and, and there's certain things in football that just stand tried and true, yep. right? Got to be able to run the football, and got to be able to stop the run, Frank. You got to be able to do those things. So you have to take it one game at a time. And, and the more that you have success and you're 3-0 and you're 4-0 and you're 5-0 and, and you're getting ranked on d3football.com and you start reading your press articles, right? In the old days, they told us, you know, not, you know that, that bulletin board stuff, you stay away from the newspapers. Now let's stay away from the social media, right? Let's have a great practice. Let's just focus on us, right? It's Utica against the world, right? And I think that's that's what our guys want to do. We really, truly want to one, one game at a time. We have our, our uh, you know, Friday night, we've got our blue-white under the lights here. Uh, and then we're going to water safari with the whole team because we have to take a day off. No kidding. Right, so we're going to go have some fun and some team building. And, uh, you know, I'll be going down the sides with the O-line. That's my tradition. All right, we hang out together. And uh, That's a scary thought right there. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. <laughs> you know, but then it's going to be, you know, hey, we're just working towards uh, our scrimmage. You know, uh, we have a good scrimmage with Wilkes, and, and, and our relationship with Coach Drock is strong. And then uh, getting ready for that home opener. And there's like, it's orange out, it's night game, it's Believe Bowl. We're auctioning our jerseys for the Believe 271 Foundation and for cancer and American Cancer Society. And uh, our guys are excited. They're, our guys are really committed to playing for not just the university, but playing for the Mohawk Valley. It does amaze me that since you've come here, the amount of student interest in the uh, team and community interest in the team and everything else, it's really gone up in all the events you put together and the Believe Bowl and everything else. A credit to you and your staff, uh, indeed, in the athletics department here for really building something around this. Because a lot of people used to say Utica was hockey, and yep. Utica is football as much as hockey and a lot of other sports as well. So kudos to you guys here, and also good luck to you this season, Coach. Thank we'll, you. We'll probably see you at some point. Thanks for having me. Or thanks for coming out, I should say. No problem. <laughs> All right. 
I said before the interview, uh, he was going to talk about this uh, program and where it's going. He did not talk to me about where it's going, going, because no. there is no uh, definitiveness about that uh, currently. He yeah. stated to me off the record, on the record, however you want to look at it, yep. there is nothing to talk about so far with respect to Utica. And no, but the, the thing I loved the most about that interview, Frank, and we talked about this a little before, was Coach Fagiano's reflection on, okay, here I get to see North Central and Mary Harden Baylor in the national championship game. The ingredients are laid out right there. I mean, and he said it. Um, and, and it's about time that someone, I think, from regions one, two, and maybe others said this. It's like it's it's got to have a big enough roster. You have to have enough full-time coaches. And ultimately, the biggest crux is support from the school that you really are all in on football. And the reality is for – a good portion of this region and region one, most of those universities and colleges really aren't as all in on football. And that's just, the, that's the truth. Um, you know, Utica's obviously um, been investing a lot of time and effort. They've built that, that dome, they've a nice field and all that stuff. But like you said, with this little uncertainty, you know, if this is, if this is it for them in D3, like they want to go out with as great a season as they can put forth. You have a new practice field, fully lined football field, uh, practice really? field there as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible to see the building they've done over mm -hmm. the last, especially five to ten years yeah. over at Utica, and Fagiano is a big reason for that. Remember, they will play Rochester. The Believe Bowl. Yes, they will. And so uh, we've heard from two of the teams, those two teams that will play yeah. in that game. And, it's uh, a fundraiser for firefighters. And like a local firefighting I thing? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. We'll check on that. If it's wrong, we'll clip yeah. that out. No, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about a question we received from Twitter about the next conference and the question about the NJAC, whether or not they'll have a better uh, out-of-conference record this year. Uh, and the note I had written down here uh, before I even saw that question was, Wesley, uh, the loss of Wesley uh, seems to ring large still, and nobody mm. seems ready to take down Salisbury. But the problem to me is ultimately that Salisbury is not getting that extra power game as a result of Wesley leaving the conference. And as that results, you see a game like the Johns Hopkins game last year in the playoffs, they just didn't seem ready for what came at them in that game. No. In prior years, I think they would have been ready because they would have face down a Wesley team that would have been that type of challenge, if yeah. not even bigger for that school. So well, long story short, I don't see still the depth in the NJAC that will get them a hugely better out-of-conference record. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it could just be one of those circumstances where just a lot of the teams in the – I mean, Montclair had a rough year. Rowan had an off year. Um, you know, ironically, teams like – Kane though, like they they finished second place. I think they were uh, they've won four or five games in conference. So uh, and they have a couple of preseason All Americans going on that team. So um, I, I still feel you know Salisbury is the, the the standard. They're the As team do to I. beat. Yeah. Um, but the you know the rest is kind of, I think we'll, we should see some programs. For me, my um, you know sort of team to watch was Montclair State because I feel like you know things didn't really go well for them last season. Uh, and but they still have a lot of talent, a lot of stuff going on there that's positive. So I can see them turning it around this year. What did you think? I think Rowan. I think that uh, this is kind of a uh, an important year. Yeah. I, they can't have a repeat of last year, otherwise there's going to be some shakeups going on in there. Maybe. So Rowan, a team that's steeped in tradition of winning, needs to win, and I think they will. I think that the ship will get righted. They don't want. I hate to say a season is an embarrassment, but. It was definitely an aberration compared to what they are used to there yeah, at Rowan. True. So we'll see uh, what happens in Glassboro uh, and other places throughout the NJAC. I will also talk now about the Centennial Conference, which had some real strength, we feel, last yeah. year. Just mentioned Johns Hopkins and what they did to that Salisbury team in the first round of the yeah, uh, playoffs. They got the Maryland bragging rights in that one. You think? <laughs> Yeah. I, I, nobody really saw that coming Ooh. to that degree. But yeah. then you look back and you say Muhlenberg was taken, you know, almost to the mat by uh, Johns Hopkins in that Friday night game I attended. And finally yeah. they shook him in the second half. Yeah. But it, it's, it tells you that if Muhlenberg and Hopkins were like this close, you know, 1A, 1B type of scenario, and they could do with the Hopkins what they did to Salisbury, and Muhlenberg could go to overtime in the quarterfinals against Mount Union. Yeah. This conference is legitimate based on a lot of data points, not mm -hmm. just one or two, yeah. but several. 
And then you look at that Susquehanna team. They were great too. And they bring a lot back this yeah. year. So this year, I have a funny feeling I'm finally getting my butt to Susquehanna, <laughs> okay. which was supposed to happen last year, but it yeah. didn't. Right. In fact, I'm going to say... Sellers Grove, PA. I'm going to say, despite the fact my rankings say otherwise right now, currently I feel the teams are ranked in a certain way, but I think that by the end of the season, things could shake out differently. So rankings versus predictions are two different things in the preseason mm -hmm. poll. As a result, my pick to win this centennial is Susquehanna, with Muhlenberg as the team to watch that could obviously still shake things up. I think Coach Mil Milne is calling. Uh, sorry, yeah. hold on, I'll step on it. <laughs> Uh, witness wait, protection program. Uh, I'm in trouble too, though. Oh, wait, wait, yeah. What did, you picked Hopkins. I know. It's and that, your sinus. And that quarter, that quarterback from Hopkins is amazing. I mean, Ryan Stevens. Yeah. And so, I mean, they were like the number one offense in the nation for most of last season. And you know, assuming they're bringing back a pretty good chunk of that, look out for look out for them. Um, really strong team. Uh, and you know, your sinus was the team that upset. Muhlenberg last year and I think they finished in in third or fourth place you know can they capture that magic again or will they kind of go back to being more of like the middle of the road you know stay tuned yeah stay tuned but uh, Muhlenberg starts their season at Mary Harden Baylor I don't know what we're going to learn about them in that game we could learn about their strength or we could learn that the loss of Michael Nikowski to graduation really will mean a lot this season. Those are a couple of things I'm going to be looking for. Will I be down there? Still yet to be seen. We don't know yet, but we'll uh, keep you updated on whether I do go down to the Belton opener yeah. down in Texas. Big game. Finally, uh, we have interviews to go with this one at least, or an uh, interview with two uh, folks uh, at once, and that is the PAC, the President's Athletic uh, Conference. And uh, last year, Carnegie Mellon sort of snuck into the win uh, position there. Defense. We rode it all the way. We were talking about Westminster and yeah. W&J and Case Western Reserve and Grove City. And they're like, hey, um, don't forget about us. Yeah. And we won't this go around, that's for sure. But remember what happens last year. Carnegie Mellon ends up with a COVID situation, yep. and they get scratched from the first game. They, they were the DNP, did not play. Yeah in that game, North Central got the walkover. And as a result, you've got to sit there and think that guys like Ben Mills, their uh, Texas-based uh, quarterback, yep. are teaming to get back to that position for the unfinished business that they truly have experienced. Yeah. They more than many uh, in this country. So we had an opportunity to talk to uh, essentially I believe neither one of us picked them. Let me jump ahead here and say Westminster was my pick, but Carnegie Mellon is the team to watch. I said uh, beyond that, you have W&J and Case Western Reserve University. We'll get back to these in a second. But maybe after hearing this again, you and I will change some of our point of view. Here is Ben Mills, their uh, junior quarterback, and Coach Ryan Larson who's uh, taking over for Coach Lackner this year. Thanks for joining us. And realistically, unfinished business just fits you in the Carnegie Mellon so well. Uh, ben, let's start with you. Last year, you guys kind of come out of nowhere for a lot of people uh, out there, prognosticators like JB and me, at least. I didn't necessarily have you on the radar the right way. And you come through, you win the pack, and then the COVID situation uh, happens. Can you take us through kind of that, let's say, two-week stretch where you win the conference and then find out you're not going to even get to play a game in the playoffs last year? Yeah, I mean, it was great. You know, we finished against our rivals with a pretty pretty big win. And then, you know, we're all really excited. We're getting practice all week. And then Wednesday, guys start to go down, which was uh, guys started going out with COVID and then Coaches started to go down with COVID. Um, you know, we started the trip. We get to the hotel ready. We're halfway there um, to Chicago to play the game. And then a couple more guys uh, throwing up the next morning. Um, and then Coach Lackner just was like, it wouldn't be right to go play this game and give the other team COVID. Um, so it was uh, pretty devastating for most of us. Um, but understandable um from from his end and but i mean we 
faced adversity all year. I mean, I missed all of camp um, with COVID. So first couple games were rough. I think, I mean, my first live plays that season were in our first game um, against the defense um, and kind of going throughout the whole year. We had injuries here and there, missing Chris Hughes for the first four games, um, figuring out the running back situation the first game too. Um, our starter went down with foot injury, never really came back the rest of the year. Um, but I think we handled it pretty well. Um, we're definitely excited for, for this year to get back uh, to the playoffs, hopefully make a, a deep run. Absolutely. Well, I guess the one the one positive about the COVID game is that uh, the, the new guy to your right inherits um, a program with a seven game winning streak. Um, not a lot of teams across this country can can make that statement. Um, Coach, how has it been kind of getting situated there in, in Pittsburgh and working with guys like Ben? It's been awesome. Um, you know, this is a, a unique opportunity. I, I've told a lot of people that most first-time head coaches, you're you're walking into a rebuild situation or, you know, maybe you're promoted from within. Um, really, really rare opportunity to take over a program uh, that has a great winning tradition uh, coming off uh, a really great year. Um, from an academic standpoint, this place is special. It's different. It's one of the best universities in the country, which uh, is really important to me. Um, we're teaching guys a lot of things that are going to take them beyond their time here. So it was kind of that perfect job. I, I called my wife the first night of the two-day interview, and, and I said, this is it. I go, they offer, this is it. We're doing it. Um, you know, and, and my wife being a smart woman, she always waits and doesn't, you know, play her cards until she hears me say something like that. Um, so I'm really fortunate. I'm really blessed. Um, I think the most important thing is that uh, we just have great kids here. We have great players. We got guys that, you know, want to be really good in all the things that they do. They're a ton of fun to coach every day. Um, not every day is perfect by any means, but we definitely have guys that are motivated to maximize this experience on the field, off the field, professionally, in the classroom. Um, so it's, it's an awesome opportunity for me as a first-time head coach. That's great. And guys, I really enjoyed seeing uh, seeing the uh, PAC Media Day. I thought it was awesome that your conference puts that on. I really wish more D3 conferences you know, would take that extra step to really promote the teams and, and student athletes in their, in their conference. But and, and Ben, maybe I'll start with you. Interestingly enough, you guys weren't picked to repeat as the, the, the champs, um, which is kind of interesting. So does that give you guys a little extra motivation, you know, kind of coming back as the, as the defending pack champs and, you know, their coaches are saying, now we think Westminster might do it this year. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the year, big motivator for us, but, um, and coach Larson can attest, he was like, you know, we felt disrespected, but it's kind of over with now. We need to take it week to week, one game at a time. And that should be our, our focus. I know that's a pretty quick answer. Yeah, like five yeah. Back, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Nothing to add. I, I, I can appreciate that. Hey, let, let the uh, QB do the speaking on that one, Coach. Uh, you know, Coach Lackner, obviously the history he had with the team, uh, phenomenal uh, coach, and uh, you know the accolades he received were deserved in all uh, different varieties. Uh, what was the advice he left for you in this, and what other advice have you gotten from other pack coaches, perhaps? on kind of taking the mantle here and running a team that, like you said, has this great academic focus uh, in terms of the school, Carnegie Mellon, but also has a rich tradition in athletics, including football. Yeah, Rich has been awesome. Rich has been awesome since, you know, I think a day or two after I got announced, I reached out to him. Um, the football community's small and, and everyone knows each other pretty quickly. So, you know, usually it's one degree of separation at most. and. Um, you know, as Rich and I have gotten closer and closer, I've, I've reached out to him many times about a lot of things. You know, what do I do here? How do I get this done? You know, he has always been nothing but arms wide open um, and always willing to help. And, you know, he and I had a great lunch, you know, a couple of weeks before our, our preseason camp. And he looked at me in the face and he said, do it your way. You know, be you. Don't worry about me. You know, this is your team. You got to mold it the right way. And, and, and it was great advice. Um, you know, there are certainly a lot of things that, that he left here traditionally that I don't want to touch. There are things that are amazing foundation pieces. And, 
Um, I'm grateful to have him as someone to be a mentor, even though I never worked with him, um, but I've gotten to know him well. Um, but at the same time too, that, that reassurance of him, he's like, Hey, just do it your, do it your way. Like the kids are going to recognize, they're going to notice it. Um, and I think that, you know, it's a good blend, um, in terms of the other pack coaches, um, limited interaction, you know, uh, a coaches meeting, you know, and then the media day, um, knew a couple guys, uh, kind of loosely, um, through mutual connections yet again in the coaching world. So there was, you know, one or two guys that I kind of knew a little bit closer, but we have a lot of new head coaches in the pack this year too. Um, even with Allegheny coming in as a new member, you know, even though coach Nagy's not a, a new coach, um, it's still new to this league. So, uh, I think there's a lot of the new guys kind of, you know, sitting at one end of the table and, and trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, and you got some guys like Gino who's been here for a while and, and Gino has been awesome. We've been on the phone a few times. Uh, he cracks me up and anyone who watched that pack media day, you get a little glimpse of who he is and his, uh, his comedy. So, um, you know, so far everybody's been great. Um, I, I lean very, very hard on the people that help get me here. I lean really hard on, you know, Al Bagnoli at Columbia, uh, Ed Hoddle at Stevenson, um, you know, Eric Rayburn, who's now up at Gannon, but I worked with him at Wabash, uh, you know, Bill Lynch, who I worked for in Indiana. Like I, I lean really hard on the head coaches that I was really, really fortunate to learn under. Um, and believe me, they've all gotten text messages and calls as I've gone through these first few months and, you know, new things every day. And, and they've been great mentors to me. Well, coach, you, you can't always, you know, control, you know, your schedule. Uh, that was probably planned out um, a while ago. But you've got some really interesting out-of-conference games to kick your season off, including one of a, a really small handful of kind of coast-to-coast -coast games. You guys played Whitworth last season. It was a close game. They're coming to Pennsylvania, I believe, um, this season. You know, ben, coach. What are some of your initial thoughts? I mean, you're probably still in the thick of the preseason, but by the time this airs, we'll be getting close to week one. Um, what are your thoughts on taking on the, the Pirates in a couple of weeks? I'll let you go first, Ben. Um, I mean, I think we, offense especially, um, we see this big game for us. I know we struggled a lot in that game last year, and some of that had to do with, you know, things we couldn't really control. Uh, we had... Chris Hughes was out. I mean, that was my first live snaps. We were figuring out the running back position. Um, I think, thankfully, we have that figured out this year with Trey. Um, pretty good running back. Um, but I think, and I mean, I think we're looking significantly better in this camp um, than we were um, in last camp. I think uh, Coach Larson's brought a lot of energy, um, which has been really great for a camp. Um, I think it, it makes us all better. Um, you know, and our defense is incredible. So working with them every day in practice, I mean, iron sharpens iron. I mean, you can't can't work against much better than that. So I think we're all um, very excited for the first game um, against the Pirates um, in a couple weeks. And it's we're just all really excited to get the season started. I'm excited yeah, about the RBI is... game. I mean, you guys are talking about uh, just uh, the first game. That one-two punch you got right at the top it's like of the, the engineering bowl or something. Holy cow. Yeah. But go ahead, Coach. <laughs> didn't mean to cut you off on that. No, no. You're good. I'm, I'm excited. You know, I played at Claremont McKenna, and, and I was really fortunate to be able to do some of these type of trips. You know, we went to Kenyon College my junior year. We went up to Puget Sound a few times. Um, my first game of my college career, Merchant Marine Academy came all the way to us literally coast to coast. I think that, you know, when you're at a national university like us, we want to recruit nationally. We want to have exposure nationally. So um, I think it's amazing that we get to play the first two opponents that we get to play with Whitworth and RPI. Um, they're great teams. They're well coached. They've got great players. It's going to be a great challenge for us. Uh, but yet again, you know, kind of getting back to what Ben said with iron sharpens iron, you know, it's a great opportunity for us that if we want to be a national contender, we need to make national noise. And to do that, you need to, to play competition. And one thing I've definitely, you know, told our guys is we, we're not going to dock any competition. We're excited. Um, we're grateful for these opportunities to have Whitworth come to us and then us go up to RPI. Um, they're great opportunities for us to put Carnegie Mellon out there uh, against great opponents. I mean, RPI is an elite eight team. Um, so we're, we're happy. We're excited. Um, I think as a competitor, you want to compete at the highest level. And I think coming off of last year, I wasn't here for what happened with the playoffs, but what a better way to kind of be that next step. Okay. We didn't get the national 
you know, opportunity, well, we're getting our national opportunity pretty quickly here. And uh, it, yet again, it's a great focusing thing for us. Well, you know, there's a couple ways to look at it. And uh, you're, you said it one way, which is basically the springboard, but also there's going to be a target on your back now because the secret's out. If, if there was a secret at all last year with respect to Carnegie Mellon, and it's going to be a very, very interesting, possibly five-way race developing in the pack from at least when you're all sitting at oh and no, we can, you know, prognosticate some really, really competitive football in a conference that has grown, I think, immensely. Let me ask you, though, Ben, uh, the COVID year, if I remember correctly, uh, Carnegie Mellon played three games, I want to say, three or four of the games uh, there. Did that sort of, to keep using the word sharpen, I guess, did that sharpen this team in a way that really set the stage for what happened last year? Um, yeah, I mean, the four games we played were definitely helped. I think it, it started the, the learning process of who we are as a team. Um, you know, we didn't lose too many guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball between the COVID year and last year. Um, so it was definitely good. Uh, those games really helped us kind of start to figure out who we were. Um, obviously, you know, running back, we, we had our Ryan Shaw, um, you know, was great running back. And then going to the next year, the foot injury in the first game um, was pretty hard, but, you know, Trey stepped up big time. And I think, you know, as we saw throughout the those four games, we were trying to start figuring out who we were. Um, I think second game of the season was the first game I played in um, in that COVID year. Um, started building that uh, connection with all the receivers, um, especially Chris um, and, and some of the guys in, in my class. Um, so I think that was really big, especially for, for the next year. Well, guys, this is going to be an interesting season, to say the least. Uh, as I said, the pack should be a, a bit of a wide-open race, at least from the start, and we'll see how it settles out. Carnegie Mellon very well could be at the top of that uh, by the end. Uh, there's no reason why you can't be, obviously. You've done it already once. Why not do it again? But uh, our long-standing tradition on our show is to allow the player guests to have shout-outs to any family, friends, etc. that might be watching. But, you know, Coach... You're a young guy. You're probably younger than us, in fact. So we're going to give you a chance as well uh, to give any shout-outs you want to give, but we'll give Ben first opportunity here. Shout-outs. Yeah, just a big shout-out to, you know, my, my parents and, uh, you know, everyone I've, I've trained with, all my high school coaches, for helping me even get this opportunity to be at Carnegie Mellon. Um, so that's very big. Um, and then a big shout-out to, you know, all the guys on this team. I mean, we couldn't, uh, couldn't do it without them, especially our defense um, stepped up really big last year. Um, so that'd be my, my shout outs. I want to shout out, uh, the team and the staff, you know, I, I'm the new guy. Um, and, and definitely, you know, coming in with new ideas, but people have embraced the, you know, changes and things that we've adjusted and things that we're trying to do with our culture and how we're trying to practice. And, uh, so I just really want to give a lot of credit to the players and the staff for buying in. Um, easy answer for them to be like, hey, we're good. We won last year. Like, what are you trying to change anything for? Um, but I appreciate the energy. And, and I want to, you know, obviously, you know, thank, thank my family. I've had a lot of support for a long time. Um, as a first-time head coach, you know, even on a family standpoint, my wife and my two daughters were, were learning that there's some differences in this um, and in my role. Um, and my wife is amazing. And as a former field hockey college coach, you know, she gets it. Um, and then just lastly, I, I do want to thank, you know, some of the, the people that really put me in this chair, you know, uh, Josh Santor, our athletic director, um, who headed the search um, and gave me, you know, this opportunity and believed in me. Um, you know, his boss, uh, Gina, who is our uh, VP of our student affairs, um, has been unbelievably supportive. Um, and then there's a lot of people that were on the search committee um, that are for a lot of different parts. You know, Mark Fisher, who I know you guys know is our SID. Uh, we had people representing athletic training, academics, um, everyone. The interview didn't end when I when I got the job. They, they've all still been extremely supportive of me, um, you know, now that my feet are underneath me a little bit more. Um, so just a thank you to a lot of people to give um, you know, me this chance and this opportunity at such an amazing place. Okay, JB, <laughs> tell these folks why you don't have Carnegie Mellon as either team on your list and what you want to do about that right well, now. Well, it's, it's kind of what, uh, what Ben said. Maybe it's a little disrespect, but, um, you know, for me, I feel like, uh, 
you know, Coach Sirianni has had such a solid track record of keeping the presidents at the top of that conference. We, I think we thought they were going to win it last season. They came up a little short. Maybe the quarterback situation down, down the last couple of games might have affected that. But they've been a pretty consistent – they feel like a safe bet. Um, fortunately, we're not making game predictions yet. Um, we'll, we'll get to that leading up to week one. I'm ready. It's 0-0 zero and zero right now for you and me. So. I might have won last year by three games. Okay, okay, you know. just keep going. Anyway. Running out of timer. But um, – and then, yeah, as far as, like, my team, my team to watch, I guess, you know, uh, Case Western Reserve, their coach, and I'm not going to – I'm going to say Coach D because I'll probably butcher his last name. He gave the most honest throw his institution under the bus answer at the PAC Football Media Day. He's basically like the reason why we, you know, were four, uh, five and four or six and four last season was because, you know, we didn't get to play during the spring like everybody else. The school didn't support us. And it really, you know, impacted us and, and you know down the stretch. And guys, you know, um, remember the question I asked Ben Mills in that yeah. last interview about whether or not that helped them springboard ultimately. Yep. And you know, they got them past the injuries in the first uh, part of the fall season mm-hmm. and into a momentum play ultimately. So yeah, it, it did matter for some of these schools. Yeah, yeah. And I have a feeling that Case, who was only only a couple of years removed to being an undefeated Pac champion. They have a big chip on their shoulder, and they're going to take it to a, a lot of the teams on their on their schedule. So watch out for the Spartans. Well, we'll see where it goes. Westminster has Ian Barr and Cole Konechka back, their quarterback and linebacker in reverse order there. Yep. Uh, so uh, that will be interesting to see with their graduate students coming back, uh, just what effect that will have. Grove City, never count them out as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to see some packed football action. There's at least five or six different teams that can win that conference. It's going to be great. <laughs> Rumor has it, though, that the pack is going to move into a conference-only yeah. approach with their yep. schedule. With Allegheny coming on board, they can do that now. But uh, it's disappointing because it will hurt them with any opportunity to get a Pool C bid. Basically, mm. it's going to be win or else in yep. terms of your conference if that yeah. happens. And it may hurt them in terms of... Look, with the Westminster versus Del Val game, I think Westminster is going to learn a lot about themselves in that process. Absolutely. So I'm a little disappointed to see that happening, but it is what it is. Region 3 in a few days, folks. That's Region 2, though. We'll see you next time.